Good morning. It is Monday, June 28th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Thank you so much for joining us since we last checked in. Six tenths of an inch of rain in Northeast Iowa. That was it. Uh, Now, there was serious flooding from central Missouri, Illinois, into Michigan. But Jim Wiesmeyer, this weather thing is really something. The haves and the have-nots, the divide is getting wider. Yeah, and I think the corn market, you're the market person, Chip, but I think that they took a lot of that weather premium out, and I think this uh, crop is being shaved. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to deal with it this week. There's no question about it. The market's going to have to figure it out. Now, the grain markets were clinging. Corn was clinging to some slight overnight gains. Soybeans were moving to the upside, but that spring wheat market was really showing us where the stress is, and that's up in the northwest production areas, uh, the northern plains. Spring wheat futures more than 20 cents higher, dragging uh, winter wheat futures more than a dime higher in the overnight session. We'll see how that goes. Now, some of the important updates. We can't forget this stuff. The Cubs went to L.A. and started a four-game series with a four-pitcher no-hitter, Jim. A four-pitcher no-hitter. That's hard to do. Oh, you know what? Everybody was saying, oh, it's kind of a cheap one because it's four pitchers. Listen, the way that that bullpen has been throwing this year, good for them. I'm glad they got one. And L.A. has some good hitters, as the Cubs saw. Oh, yeah. Then we dropped the next three in a row to L.A. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You didn't lead with that. No, I did not. (laughs) Uh, Cubs have fallen three games back of Milwaukee, and they start a three-gamer against the Brew Crew today. So, now – that not we can't say that here comes the Nationals anymore. It's they're here. Yeah, they won what nine out of eleven or something Seven like that. So we're almost five hundred again. So game under. If nobody can get hurt, I think we uh, we may make a run. You know, it. you know what that what it takes to make the kind of comeback that um, th- that the Nationals have done. It it just takes good managing, Jim. You don't panic. Well, you know me and the manager, but uh, <laughs> we do have the hitters if they'll hit, you know, yes. and I think we're we are getting there. Yep. All right. Uh, the grain markets, uh, like I said, they ended the overnight session with some slight gains there. I'm AgriTalk host, Chip Flory. That is Pro Farmer Policy Analyst, Jim Wiesmeyer. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about the markets Jim, but I want to talk a little bit more because of the frustration that some of the growers in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, they are feeling increasingly frustrated by the lack of respect for the stress that is on their corn and soybean crops. I want to remind people that that if, based on the prospective plantings report, North Dakota is expected to have the fourth highest acreage total on soybeans this year. It, we, as you said, Jim, the market this week is going to have to to deal with this, isn't it? Yes. Well, they're expecting a, a boost in in corn acres from the acreage report, uh, Chip, and maybe that's tempering their 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 concerns. But we're going to see. We don't have the number right. uh, yet. But I think you're accurate in identifying North Dakota because now that's a a very important corn and soybean state. And we know that once the dry pattern sets in North Dakota, it doesn't leave. Yep. That's right. That's right. 
Okay. Um, I want to take a look at the week that was, and I know that the infrastructure bill happened last week, or at least an agreement on the bill happened last week, but I want to save that for later in the conversation. What I do want to talk about are a couple of issues around livestock, because your friend Nick Giordano from the National Pork Producers Council was on AgriTalk last Wednesday, and Jim, the frustration was just oozing from his comments over the the court, the federal court ruling, federal judge ruling that will slow down or lower the processing capacity of the hog industry this week. Yes. What's the update? Well, you know, Nick exudes passion on anything. That's why I like him. And he leaves no stone unturned in commenting uh, on on topics. And I was up in Lebanon, you know, Pennsylvania to the uh, uh, hog and poultry meeting. And boy, he he reflected what I heard uh, and then some from hog producers in that state. They had the right uh, reasons, Chip, why they were frustrated. Where's the science on this? Why are they doing it? When they want increased capacity, they do something this that will do the opposite. Uh, And I told them, you're absolutely correct. And that's when I said there's one uh, group that they're bowing to on this, and that is the labor unions. And I saw a lot of head shake, uh, uh, Chip. So, and again, when they asked me about Vilsack, I said that he's caught in the middle. So I do feel for Vilsack on, on this one. I think it, if it was up to him, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you again the same question that I asked you last week and see if uh, maybe your opinion has changed on Vilsack on this. Isn't this an issue that Secretary Vilsack should try to thread the needle on and get more involved than what USDA has been? This is a USDA effort but it's not in his apparent total purview he says he was caught in the middle it's the u.s solicitor general and i don't know whether i totally agree with that but that's the fate that uh, he was uh, dealt with and you saw in some of this legislation for aid he 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 may use some funds to offset any negative market impact chip i mean this is where two wrongs don't make a right yeah is there any chance of getting a stay on this judgment before we get to Thursday and have to slow things down? Well, remember, Vilsack told you on AgriTalk, he hopes the various sides can can work out a compromise. And that's still, and usually we have compromises at the 11th and a half hour. So that's still possible, Jeff. Okay. Another livestock issue from last week, uh, the long-awaited Senate hearing on cattle market transparency concentration. Uh, What did you learn from it? Well, that we thought going in, this thing is so complex that there is no general consensus. And Debbie Stabenow, Senate Ag Committee, you know, chairwoman said basically she doesn't want to go the next step until the livestock groups are in concert on this one. And they are not, Chip, as we saw. And I thought the hearing, although uh, those who who were represented at, at the hearing, you know, provided insight not to have the National Cattlemen's Beef Association there and Farm Bureau, by the way, uh, I think uh, showed the tilt, you know, to that hearing. Bottom line, this thing is going to linger a while if we ever get a legislative uh, 
solution. I, yeah. I do know that uh, ranking member on the Senate Ag Committee, uh, John Bozeman from Arkansas, uh, is giving uh, Stabenow a list of library contracts, if you will, and that's one step maybe yeah. in, in, a, in, a, in a solution of this. But we're far from the end zone, Jeff. Yeah. Um, you know, NCBA did put a press release out the following, uh, well, I guess that day, uh, talking about the comments from NCBA member Mark Gardner. So I think that, that NCBA was, if lack of a better term, was taking some credit for being there yes. in, in the shape of member Mark Gardner. Uh, there was also some comments that were kind of fired at me over the weekend on social media after I said on Friday's free-for-all on AgriTalk, Jim, that uh, another point of view that wasn't represented was the Packers. Well, a few guys shot at me and said, hey, now listen, Mark Gardner was a founding, what uh, was a founder of U.S. Premium Beef. Um, he was there defending the quote-unquote Packers contracts, the AMA, the alternative market, market agreements. So I, I get that. I get that. Uh, but there's... Uh, there's a, there's a long ways to go on this. Yeah. And I think if anything, um, if I, the most positive thing that I'm going to take away from the hearing, Jim, was that the senators asking questions from, from Senator Grassley, who's been on top of this for decades, decades, <laughs> all the way to Senator Booker. Yeah. They all asked very good, intelligent, informed questions. Yes, I, I thought that was that that was very encouraging. They understand the issue on the Packer issue. Why wouldn't yeah. you want them there, Chip? Because uh, you know, basically, defend thyself. Yeah, you yeah. know, on the record. And I, I, I know that they could have elements. It would have been interesting to see what they said on the record. But, you know, my career as a reporter, I never liked the adversarial relationships yeah. between grain producers and elevators. I just think it, it led to more problems than solutions. And the same thing in the livestock industry between packers and producers. Yes, there are uh, major yeah. disagreements, but air them out, air them out publicly. Man, you're flashing me back 25, 30 years, Jim, yes. when you used to get on stage and say, you don't like what ADM's doing? Buy their stock. Yeah, buy you their stock. Like it's called a hedge. That's called yep. a hedge. Buy their stock if yes. you don't like what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, still looking back, the Senate passed the Growing Climate Solutions Act to help uh, development of the carbon carbon markets. Is it a good thing? I think it's a good thing. And you saw the widespread in the vote. I mean, you talk about top heavy in, in favor yep. of it. I, 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 I think it was a good thing, Chip, because it begins the process that's going to take far longer than most realize to setting standards. And it won't make USDA dictatorial on this. They will be advisors. There's third party involvements, et cetera. But we really need to get standards. So sooner or later, we can we can hopefully get to the point where we know how to measure, you know, carbon and we know how to price it, but we're not anywhere close to that yet, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's been some pushback uh, to the growing climate solutions act about eh, government shouldn't be involved in this. Let private sector develop the market. There needs to be a, 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 
standardization throughout the marketplace. And there, there are some non-governmental organizations that could provide that, but if it's got USDA stamp of approval or EPA stamp of approval on it, that's going to make it pretty difficult to ignore going forward, I think, Jim. Yes, and USDA is going to work with the various sectors, both inside and outside of agriculture, to, to help coordinate. I think that's the key yeah. word here. That's the good side of government as a coordinator, not as a dictator in, in, in things. When, when they start dictating, that's where you have problems. Okay. All right. Um Okay, I'm going to mix up the order of, of things that I'm going to cover because the last one that I want to do, which is the Supreme Court ruling on the waivers, is going to include some looking forward to the week ahead. But this one, before we get to that, Jim, another federal court judge ruled against the USDA debt relief to socially disadvantaged farmers last week. Uh, where is this going? Well, I think the market chip got ahead of itself because they saw – uh, the 2019 and 2020 SRE requests that are still pending. No, 30. wait, 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 wait. No, on the socially disadvantaged farmers. Oh, oh that, I'm That's sorry. where I want to go. My head yeah. is in on the waivers. Sorry, but, sorry. I'll tell you, though, now we've had two federal court rulings yeah. uh, stay the, this thing. And although USDA initially got some test payments out on this program, by the way, to see how it would operate. They're halted right now. And I think this could well go all the way to the Supreme Court. And uh, I don't see any additional payments uh, made because it most of the people I've talked with uh, uh, think that there is a significant problem here because it's discriminatory in and of itself, period. Okay. Now we are going to get to EPA and the, and the waivers and everything. The Supreme Court ruled a week ago today, ruled, I think it was a week ago today, ruled in favor of the refiners and overturned the 10th Circuit Court decision on the extending waivers decision. What's next here? Well, the market, as you saw on Friday, uh, yeah. soybean oil just plummeted yes. and, and corn to a, to a degree, it was negative. I think the market got ahead of itself because they just assumed, as traders do sometimes, the worst case, they assumed that uh, what does this mean for 2019 and 2020 SRE or waiver requests still pending, 32 for 2019 compliance year chip and 18 for the 2020 compliance years. But in Pro Farmers follow-up interviews, and we got it in the newsletter, we thought the market was overreacting. We still think that the Biden EPA won't really grant uh, more than around 10, if that, uh, which was the case prior to the increase beginning in 2016, Chip. So I don't think this changes the uh, outlook for eventual uh, waivers being successful, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see for that. And this was really a technicality ruling on a word, extension. So it, it, it may not have been the blanket, uh, you know, decision that earlier reports tended to suggest. Okay, very good. We are getting some comments in. Thank you so much for uh, doing that. And this is when I normally remind you that if you do want to participate in DC Signal to Noise, use the comment tab at, on the right side of your screen and, um, and we can do that. We see out there Omar and Kathleen and uh, Melody uh, and Gary, I'm going to ask your question here uh, 
before we get to the end of it. Um, but I do want to start with this because, Jim, I could have included this in the look back, but I'd rather have it in the week ahead. I think I think we've got an agreement, a bipartisan agreement, on the infrastructure package, right? Well, we had an agreement last week. Then uh, 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 Biden uh, went out with a separate uh, uh, presser, if you will, without the Republicans there and said basically he linked it uh, with this multi-trillion dollar reconciliation uh, package, more of the social infrastructure. And that's when those Republicans went bonkers as well they should have. Then uh, his handlers in the White House and eventually Biden himself had to walk it back on Saturday. He issued a statement because the Republicans said they wanted an actual statement. And he said he was not issuing a veto threat. It does not have to be linked. You know, the two don't have to be linked. So we're we're back into an infrastructure agreement, uh, Chip. But as I wrote on Pro Farmer this morning, this thing's going to boil down to Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, because she has said, and we know she doesn't change too often, if any time, she says that she wants the uh, reconciliation package passed, passed, by the Senate before she'll even take up infrastructure in the House. Yeah. So uh, she's going to usurp uh, you know, you know, President Biden on this one. So we're, we've got a long ways to go on this one before we can say infrastructure is in the bank. You know, this is not the first time that House Speaker Pelosi has thrown that, that kind of a threat out to the Senate, that if you don't get this done, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Yes, um, and, and she follows through, Chip, right or wrong. I, I mean, she is consistent. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, Senator Moran had an interesting reaction, correct? Correct. Yeah, he's saying he will not vote for the for these things, for even for infrastructure, unless he has a commitment by uh, at least two, uh, you know, Mansion and Cinema from Arkansas, Mansion from West Virginia, uh, that that they're not going to vote for the reconciliation package. I don't think that they'll get that because I I'm reading the tea leaves, Chip. The White House and Democratic leaders in Congress are going to throw a lot of money at mansion and cinema in order for them to vote for the reconciliation bill. Yeah. Another reaction that uh, I think is interesting is that of Senator Sanders. I, he wanted way, way more than what was in the bill. Yes. In the agreement. Yes. We have five trillion. It looks like for Sanders. Now he started with 6 trillion and then we have $3 trillion for that reconciliation, social infrastructure, if you will, for Biden. And Manchin has said it from $2 trillion to $1.5 trillion. And that's called a dilemma, uh, uh, Chip, because of the fair. Yeah, you can't make up that money and, and get Sanders and the far left you, you, you know, you, uh, you know, senators to sign off. So uh, it, it, uh, they can say it's unlinked, but I still think it's uh, you, you, you know somewhat linked because of Pelosi. All right. Very good. Um, Jim, I don't know if you've got an update on this one from Gary, uh, Gary Rasmussen on, on uh, the comments here, but if you do, we'd take it right now. Any word on confirmation of Tracy Stone Manning to head BLM? 
No, very, I'd have to do some research on that one, but I, I can okay. do some research on it. Okay, very good, very good. And Tanner, uh, we'll we'll get to your comment uh, towards the end of the sh- the, the podcast here. Uh, and let's get to another livestock issue because this is a big one and it's a Supreme Court issue. I think it's coming up today, Jim. It could. And that is Prop- California's Proposition 12. Yes, because it has to echo the animal welfare provisions in California. And uh, th- this eventually gets into interstate trade issues that should be shot down, but let's let's see if it does. But I'll tell you, when I was up in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, uh, a big crowd up there sat down with a big hawk producer, and he said he's already almost done uh, changing his operation. He has 1,400 sows, by the way. Uh, and he said, look, this thing's going to lead to more uh, deaths of pigs as the sows sit on the pigs, and it will eventually uh, negatively impact the pigs per litter. But yet he went ahead and did it because he said, I can read the tea leaves on this. So look at the animal welf- welfare angle on this, Chip. Is that really animal el- you know, welfare? It's so- not. No, it is not. But once again, this is California, try, much like we saw, remember, with the caged uh, 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 on, uh, on, the, uh, on the chickens, I believe, in, in, in the poultry industry years ago. Once again, they're trying to dictate, you know, their policy for the rest of what they called uh, the, the uh, other states. Right, right. Okay. Um, comment from Tanner here, and, and this is a long one to try to get up on the screen for everybody, but I'm going to try to break it down. Uh, we know the beef complex is too consolidated. Producers can't leverage monopolies. I'm not going to argue that. That is that's that's a, that is a I, I think we are seeing that very, very clearly, and I've seen it for a while. Why don't we treat the packing industry or the big four, like we do other monopolized industries in power. Regulated pricing for the benefit of both producers and consumers. Oh, we... Uh, I know where you're going to go for that. Volatility can be a producer's friend uh, yeah. as long as you have those up moves so you can price it in. I, re- regulated pricing, period. We saw that in the grain reserve years ago when yeah. when the Democrats tried to regulate uh, you know, grain prices. We saw this, the, the downside of that because yeah. with the farmer-owned grain reserve, it put a wet blanket on the market for for any rallies i know i know where you're coming from tanner uh but you know the meat institute pointed out for what the last 25 years we've had the same major you know uh, you know processors in in the meat industry so uh they countered that with where what you know where is the angle that that there's concentration when we we've had the same big four you could yeah. say the same thing on the automobile industry with basically the big three well maybe four with tesla now so yeah another complex uh uh issues yeah i'm not saying there should not be any changes i think the hearing was part uh, of uh, you know one process the, the process. problem is when you legislate and help with grants uh, expand the processing end what will happen to those new entries when the margins uh crash chip to the negative side and trust me they will they will uh, 
And so do they implode? And then when you're relying on that, uh, on that new, you, you, you know, new institution to sell your products to poof, they're gone. Uh, so I'm not saying that's the reason not to do it. It should be, any new entry should be very uh, liquid because yeah. of the, to, to brace for the downside years. Yeah. And cattle producers are putting $325 million into a new 1500 head a day processing plant in, uh, I think it's Mills County, Iowa. So there, it, we, we've talked about this many times that the, one of the needs is for additional shackle space to create some competition out there. Now, and, and Tanner, I'm not, I, I'm not into, you know, scolding or whatever, but you asked the question, why are, why are you, I'm assuming us, Jim and I, not concerned about the producers and consumers in the current system? We are. We have expressed that concern many, many, many times. Yes. So the, the producers are number one in this, and I go all the way down to the cow-calf producer. I mean, the feed yards in many cases are getting left out of the profit potential in the current environment. But if you want to talk about getting left out, let's get all the way down to the cow-calf guy that's putting a heck of a good quality calf on the ground to begin with that, that makes solid beef in the meat case later. We got we got to support that segment of the industry as well, and and make sure that they are propped up. So, and the best way to do that is through the market. Uh, that's that's the best way to do it. It's it's confusing. It, there's a lot of issues here that that need to be considered. Jim, big reports. You mentioned them earlier. Big reports from USDA this week. Uh, quarterly grain stocks and acreage report. Yes, and uh, they're expecting a bump to. Pretty big bump in corn and what about as is or maybe even you know more for uh, you know soybeans. I haven't looked yep. at the you know you, you know trade guesstimates, but and if we don't get it, uh, then then that'll that'll put the uh, focus right back on the weather and the crop market development. Uh, yep. uh, Jeff. But let's let's see the numbers. But uh, if they are much higher then you have to again question why was the planning intentions report so light i'm just saying some of the questions going into this uh uh report on on wednesday it will be a market mover and of course we have grain stocks as well don't forget that report yep. that's right that's right and with some of the volatility that the grain stocks reports yes have created in the past we got to pay attention to that and i do but, still want to give a shout out i don't know whether we talked about it last week senator jerry moran questioned uh vilsack at a recent senate ag appropriations uh hearing and he said that the, his producers have uh uh, have lost faith in USDA numbers, and they put 10 million more for NAS to improve. I don't know whether that's enough to improve their estimates. And he asked Vilsack about it, and Vilsack said, "If we don't do a better job uh, with the estimating, I'm not doing my job." So at least they aired out that issue. And kudos to Senator Moran. Right, right. President Biden and USDA Secretary Vilsack are headed to Wisconsin on Tuesday. Hello, Wisconsin! <laughs> and, uh, you know, Biden's going to try to sell his infrastructure and the need for the social infrastructure. And, uh, you, well, you know, Vilsack is tagging along. Well, you don't go to Wisconsin, uh, Chip, without announcing something on dairy. And yeah. I don't know whether this will be the specific program he announces, but I know it's in the pipeline uh, that USDA has been working on an idea that payments should, should have been targeted to producers 
producers who were impacted by lower class one prices that you covered on AgriTalk and the record high price of cheese that was stimulated by the massive uh, food box program under President Trump. And, uh, you know, it, it, that it, so these payments will help reduce the differential that uh, occurred between class one and class three milk pricing because of the disproportionate number of purchases of cheese during that food box uh, effort. Right. Bottom line, if this is the announcement, I know that they're uh, working on a program for direct payments of anywhere from $750 million to $1 billion. That's a chunk of change. It certainly is. It certainly is. Representative Ron Kind out of Wisconsin told WRDN out of Durand, Wisconsin, um, over the weekend that there may be some sort of a beef announcement as well. I think that might be premature. Hmm. I've not heard that. But again, once I hear that, that I'll... Uh, yeah. Uh, Let's check that out. Questions going, going yeah. on. Yeah, you know, I I do want to insert Chip. Uh, last uh, over uh, last week, we also had uh, a uh, consensus building on a permanent ag disaster program. Okay, but G T Thompson, the ranking member on the House Ag Committee, said he would only <clears throat> approve of that or sign off on that if if there were three things. One, it has to supplement crop insurance. Two, it has to be simple. And three, it has to get the aid out far more quickly than these ad hoc disaster programs are. Now, that could be an oxymoron when the government's involved. But right. those are succinctly the three criteria that's going to be used for a permanent ag disaster program. And I think they're spot on on that. Okay, we're going to go a minute over our time because I feel like I need to ask this on a get a regular update on this now. Wotus, anything going to happen this week? Uh, no, I don't think so, but here's my news on that. Republicans are on to a good thing. They want to see the analysis of the Biden administration when they said the Trump rule did this, this, and this in a negative fashion. Where's their analysis? The same thing is the analysis that they're asking for, the Republicans in this case, to the Biden administration on their saying that only 2% of farmers would be impacted on these proposed changes for stepped yeah. up basis and capital gains. I know that top USD officials had no part of that analysis. Who did it, Chip? I'm I trying to find out. Nobody yeah. seems to know. Let's see the analysis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take just a little bit of every more of everybody's time because there's a question here from Billy Joe that I want to get in. Um, what Billy Joe wants to know is, is that dairy money being carved out of what was supposed to be headed to the contract poultry farmers? Uh, that I don't know. We'll find out. I think I would say no, but I'll find out on that one. I just think they're dragging. What Vilsack has said that they need some more regulations to in order to deal with the contract hog producers. I can't fathom why, because they are, they're already in the process of paying contract poultry producers. I just think some people at USDA are somewhere in the administration is saying, you know, earlier this year we had record hog prices. Uh, you know, maybe that's enough to the hog producers. That's just what I'm hearing from some 
some people. But again, that's another one I'll check in on because uh, the that's wherever I go, I get the hog producer asking that question. You know, that was announced in December. Where is it uh, at? There's so much money floating around here, Chip, that I think they can find this and that for, you know, whatever they want to do. Great job, Jim. We're going to turn up the volume on what's happening in D.C. on AgriTalk at 10.05 Central. Get market updates, 2.06 Central. This morning, this morning, I'm going to have a conversation with Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jim, have a great week. We'll talk to you again on Friday. And make sure... And make sure you listen to AgriTalk's program on Friday, where we talked with, uh, you know, Cindy uh, Axney. 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 It was an excellent, excellent show, and her comments were spot on. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll get you back on the free-for-all this Friday. Have a great week, Jim. Sure. This is DC Signal to Noise.